you're listening to Reach and D, and I'm your host, Anna Maria Rosario. And with me today is Kate Williams, licensed mastered social worker from the Alzheimer's Association, the Greater Michigan Chapter. Kate, welcome to Reach and D. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's start off with your role at the Alzheimer's Association. Sure. I am a social worker, and I actually work as part of a multidisciplinary clinic at a local hospital. So I work with patients and families as they're getting the diagnosis and going through all the different stages of the diagnosis, so from very early to very late stages. What are the latest facts and figures relating Alzheimer's? Probably the biggest one is the prevalence. People don't realize just how prevalent this disease is about 5.2 million Americans are living with the disease currently and that equals about one in three people over age 65 so huge 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 numbers and two-thirds of them are women so uh, a really big issue today in women's health how about when we're talking about mortality mortality is probably another really uh, big surprising factor for people uh, Alzheimer's is actually the sixth leading cause of death uh, in the United States most people don't realize that and uh, the fifth leading cause of death for seniors. Very important public health crisis. This is the only leading cause of death in the top 10 that we're not getting better at preventing. You know, we're getting better at preventing heart disease or curing cancer. Alzheimer's disease, we're not there yet. So a huge issue for our society. And I bet it's also a huge issue for their caregivers. Absolutely. 15.5 million people are caregiving. So for every one person that has the disease, there's at least three family friend caregivers that are participating and helping them. So 20 million Americans more than that are affected directly, not to mention all the indirect costs on businesses, neighbors, etc. Could you expand a little bit more about women and Alzheimer's? Women are much more likely to get Alzheimer's disease, mostly because we live longer and uh, increasing age is the number one risk factor for Alzheimer's. So about two-thirds of people with Alzheimer's disease are women, and it also follows suit that most caregivers are women. Uh, Again, about two-thirds of caregivers are women, so a huge issues for females, whether you have the disease directly or you're caring for someone who does. Another real interesting fact is that we don't really talk about that. You know, we, we think of women's health issues. We think of maybe heart disease or breast cancer. But when you're a woman in your 60s, your risk of breast cancer is about 1 in 11, whereas your risk for Alzheimer's disease is 1 in 6. So almost wow. twice as likely to get Alzheimer's disease than breast cancer, yet... You know, there's big pushes for mammograms and those types of health screenings, but nothing about brain health. So it's really important for us as an association to get that message out there. You know, this is important. This affects you. Yeah, it's really important to know. Let's now turn our attention about any recent clinical updates or studies that our listeners should know about. Obviously, a huge disease for research and uh The last couple years, we've seen uh, some real bumps in funding, though still not where we'd like to be, of course. Probably the biggest issue is we're really turning away from trying to reverse Alzheimer's disease in people that have it and starting to turn more towards prevention studies, studies that are drugs or interventions that will slow decline in people or even just prevent onset. And a lot of uh, what we're finding is the normal kind of heart health, healthy living stuff preventing or controlling diabetes, preventing or controlling high blood pressure, high cholesterol, maintaining ideal body weight, 
all of that has a, a real benefit for your brain. And in fact, there's some research that suggests that just by managing those things, those, those things we should be doing anyway, can delay onset or slow decline for about 50% of people. So that's, that's a huge improvement. And we're talking about more than 5 million people in the U.S. that are currently suffering. Yeah, that's definitely a big improvement. How about the misconceptions or the myths? Oh, there's tons. I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> probably the biggest one is that there's nothing we can do. So, you know, what's the point in getting tested? What's the point in telling the person? What's the point in telling the family? And, and that's simply just not true. Um, there are medications out there on the market that can't stop changes from occurring occurring in your brain but can certainly help delay symptoms slow progression and so that's why it's, it's really important that if you are noticing changes in memory that you go and get that checked out the other fact is that just because your memory changes doesn't mean it's alzheimer's disease there's more than 70 different things that can cause memory change and so some of those things have a reversible cause. So it could be something as simple as a vitamin deficiency or a medication side effect. Even something you've been on for years could be starting to occur in your body differently than it was in the past. So probably the number one misconception is hide your head in the sand. Don't think about it. Please, please, please don't do that. Go get checked. There's things we can do to help as well as things we can do to help you plan for the future. You know, having control over what happens to you if you do have this disease can be very empowering for people. I bet it can. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Reach and Dean. I'm your host, Ana Maria Rosario, and joining me today is Kate Williams, licensed mastered social worker from the Alzheimer's Association from the Greater Michigan Chapter. So let's turn our attention to the Alzheimer's Association a bit more and, and assisting the healthcare provider. How can the healthcare provider utilize the Alzheimer's Association? We really want to be seen as a partner in healthcare with physicians. There's so much more to treating Alzheimer's disease than just giving a diagnosis and giving a prescription for a pill. Alzheimer's disease really is a disease that affects not only the individual, but their caregivers, their family. And so many treatment options like day programs, like respite options, like legal and financial planning, support groups, education initiatives. And that's all stuff that physicians don't necessarily have time for, don't necessarily get reimbursed for, but are still really critical to ensuring quality of life for everyone. So we want to be seen as the place where physicians can refer people to to get all those really needed services, whether that's accessing us through our website which is www.alz.org, or through our 24-hour helpline, 1-800-272-3900. Sorry, a little plug there. We really want to be seen as kind of the next logical step when you either you get a diagnosis or something changes with your condition. We want to be there to support physicians and families. So when they call the phone number or the, or the website, what kind of tools can they expect to find? I'm sure you're going to get connected with either a trained volunteer or a licensed counselor, depending on your need, and get information on anything you might need. Even the things you don't know you don't know, the things you don't know that you need, that's what we're here for, is to really talk you through your situation, what's going on, and start looking at, you know, how do we develop a plan of care? So whether that's looking for other resources in the communities, education, just someone to talk to, you know, this is really stressful. We want to be there to provide that, whatever it might look like. Would you be able to share with our listeners today a, a real-life 
example, obviously mentioning no names, but a real life sure, example of how sure. the Alzheimer's Association helped a healthcare provider and, and a patient? Sure. Well, gosh, there's almost too many to even begin thinking about. In my work, I work in a, a memory clinic, as I mentioned, and so I deal a lot with families that are coming in and, and getting diagnosed. And I think the real benefit to what I do is being someone who can sit down and really listen. It's, it's so easy when you go to your doctor, of course, we're all busy, to kind of forget things or slosh over facts. And uh, I think a lot of diagnosis even is just getting the real nitty gritty of what's happening in good detail. And so, for example, I had a patient and, you know, we go in and they say, well, she's angry. Well, what does that mean? Well, she's angry when I brush my teeth. Whenever we brush our teeth together, she hits me in the face. And, you know, the doctor's thinking, oh, well, you know, do we need medication? Let me start to write a script. I was able to sit down and say, okay, well, walk me through that. What does that look like? And so they went through and said, well, you know, we put the toothbrush on her, toothpaste on her toothbrush. We put the toothbrush in her mouth. We rinse off the toothbrush. And at the end, I flicker with my the water from my toothbrush. And I said, well, wait a second. What do you mean you flicker with the water? And they said, well... It's kind of been our ritual our whole life. I, at the end of the day, I flick her with water from my toothbrush. She flicks me. It's kind of our good night. I love you. He says, well, now when I do it, I flick her and, and she hits me. And I said, well, you know, gee, this is really a place for education here. This isn't a pill problem. This is a, a behavior issue. And it's not an issue with the person with memory loss. They've forgotten the meaning of this ritual. It's really now up to us as caregivers to stop that. And so really simple thing, but having the time to sit down and really work through that prevented a patient from having a medication they didn't really need and allowed the physician to, you know, move on and help other patients that did have a medical need. And I could work with this family that really just had an education need. Would it be fair to ask then what would be the follow-up with going back to the healthcare provider? Do you go back and share notes? Is it a call absolutely, or Absolutely. In my particular position, obviously I, I have direct contact with patients and families. Someone that was just calling our helpline wouldn't have that same type of interaction, but certainly we're always interested in collaborating with physicians, whether it's providing education to their staff so they can do those same types of investigative work if it's appropriate for their clinic, or providing resources on site like support groups, etc. We always want to be there and be as collaborative as possible because we know this is a holistic disease. We need everyone's opinion to get to the root of the problem. Why don't we go ahead and tell our listeners where they can access the tools and information and and where to go to because I think it's really important. Sure, there's two options. The first is our website, which is www.alz.org. And the second is our 24-hour helpline, and that's 1-800-272-3900. I will say the real benefit of the latter is that wherever you are in the country, uh, you're routed to your local chapter during normal business hours. So you'll talk right to someone in your community who knows what's happening near you. And then during you know non-regular business hours, you get routed to our national office in Chicago, but with follow-up sent to your local chapter the next day. So you'll always get in touch with what's going to be most helpful to okay. you. And I was perusing your website. And it's, it's a really cool website I do. And I I think I noticed an app. Yes, yes. We do have some new apps out for physicians primarily, some help with diagnostic tools, behavioral interventions, but also some things for caregivers as well. Lots of cool interactive things, care finders, blogs, online support groups, message boards. So yeah, lots of ways to be interactive, lots of ways to use it on your smartphone or your tablet. So really we want to be something you can take anywhere 
anytime in your pocket, always there. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate you coming and sharing your information about the Alzheimer's Association and the importance of diagnosing it and getting rid of those misconceptions and myths out there. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Well, I'm your host, Ana Maria Rosario, and you've been listening to ReachMD. To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.